Welcome to the New Mind Creator Podcast with your host Maurice, the New Mind Creator. Today I'll be interviewing Josh Parrish. Please make sure to hit the subscribe button so that you'll receive alerts when new episodes are available on Sundays at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Also, please leave me a review on iTunes or Spotify. What was it like growing up in Alabama when you were a kid? Well, <laughs> luckily, I had the opportunity to, to move around a little bit. So Alabama was the home base. And what I noticed was a lot of folks that lived where I lived in Alabama, they didn't get out very much. So it was quite interesting to dip off into other cities around the South and then come back and then realize that there a lot of folks just have a narrow point of view on life and they really don't know how big the world is. And you grew up, I guess, primarily with your stepdad and mom. Is that? Yes. Uh, unique situation there. Uh, they stayed married for about 15, 16 years or so. And whenever Alan, the stepdad, would transfer, um, if I didn't like the city, I would always go back to home base, grandma's farm. So I had, had the opportunity to pick and choose if I wanted to stay in a city or not. But usually I would embrace the new city. Now, growing up, you had some interesting things that happened to you, especially on the psychological level. Um, how would you define the things that was happening to you on that level? Well, early on in life, I, de I dealt with many, many bouts of sleep paralysis on a consistent basis. It was, man, I'd, I'd probably have sleep paralysis four or five times a week, all the way from age four till 10, 11, 12. And if you're not familiar with sleep paralysis, it's basically you're laying there asleep, but where your body's asleep, but your mind is awake. And the entire time, if you if you enter into a state of sleep paralysis and you're not freaking out, you are stone cold crazy. <laughs> so the entire time while you while you are under that influence of sleep paralysis, that sleep paralysis demon, you're you're literally laying there praying to get up. And it really made me a deep thinker. So. Yeah, that was that was probably one of the most influential things in my life was how many times I entered into that state of sleep paralysis. Did it frighten you at all? Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. That's even as a grown man, I'll get it every now and then. And it still scares the hell out of me. So, yeah, I was I was scared to death. And it, it really made me ask the deep questions about our mortality and what I realized at a very young age is adults don't have the answers either that we're all just big kids. <laughs> and I, I, I mean, I realize that now, of course, because I deal with adults every day. Right. But back then when they couldn't answer the questions about death and perception, and I was six years old asking these questions and they were just like, they kind of give me a, a glazed over look, I was like, wow, they really don't know the answers to this. 
So I knew I was in for a unique experience or I was, I was experiencing a very unique experience. Did you share that experience with parents or anyone? Believe it or not. No, I, I, I kept that whole sleep paralysis thing to myself. And at times I would get up cause I, I if, whenever the demon, let's just call it the demon. Whenever, whenever the sleep paralysis released me from its grips, I would always go and change my, my room. Like I, if I was in my room that I had to go lay in the living room, sometimes I would lay at the foot of my parents' bed, but, <clears throat> but yeah, I'm sorry. Could you restate that question? Um, did you, I ask, did you, you know, share it with anyone? Oh yes. Uh, no, I, I did not. I did not. I, I I would say, hey, I had a bad dream or something along those lines, but I never really shared the full experience of of what I was going through. So not sharing that, did it affect you in any way? Because it was almost like you were bearing a burden that you didn't even understand that what was going on as a kid. Well, I figured that if the people closest to me couldn't answer the questions that I was asking then it really didn't matter that I would share it at all much less on a continuous basis so no I I did just keep it to myself and yeah I I would say it probably affected who I the outcome (laughs) yeah so how would you define psychological warfare well one is identifying that actual psychological warfare is a thing (laughs) and once you know that it's an actual thing and and you don't know if someone's trying to inflict those tactics upon you but the way that i would define it is having the ability to to beat the competition before they even step to the to the competition stage and how does psychological that aspect has how has it helped you overcome certain things in your life to achieve greatness in your uh, various areas of life? Well, knowing that you can win a battle or win a war with very, very little resources spent with ever, with ever, or without ever getting hit or having to fire a shot, which I've never shot at people really. So, <laughs> but, but, to, to know that you can absolutely demoralize a team that you're about to face without ever even seeing them. It's, I mean, that that's real power. And I know we got dark real quick there, but, but I've, I've won so many battles without the other side, even knowing that I was even making moves. So it's, it's, it's awesome to know that you can, you can do that. If you, if you learn how to do it and it's, it's not, it's not, hard to learn how to do it but at the same time it's a it's a very special weapon that well you need to respect and you really you really have to dive into the how-tos and the whys in order to become a master of it what was it difficult for you as a kid um, moving around so much I would assume it you had to adjust and, you know, make different friends often. Was that a difficult feat for you? Well, I learned very quickly 
that I could reinvent myself from place to place. So if I didn't like the way that something went down in a, in a previous location where I was living, I knew that I could make adjustments and, and not have to necessarily go through that, or I could hedge that risk before I ran into it again. So it, it was always tough, but also it brought me great relief because to get a fresh start, that's always nice because the people that surround you, they are one, they're living their lives and they have biases and their own perception and things, but you may be living out your story in front of them, but the way that they see you living out your story, they may be translating it in a different manner. So we are a composition of the stories that we tell ourselves, but we're also are made up of the stories that people are telling us about ourselves. So we may want to dip off and try something new, but then our five closest people, they may be like, Oh, that's not your thing. You're not, you're not a swimmer, Josh. You, you're, you're, a, you're a bird, you know, <laughs> or whatever, you know, but, but we're a lot of times we're kept in that box because we don't want to let people down. We don't want to, rattle people's perception of us so yeah it was tough but also at the in terms of moving around but yeah it was it was also it was a great learning scientific experiment that i was a uh, that i got to be part of you said that we're a composition of the stories we tell ourselves as well as the things other people tell us were were you telling yourself something that was not beneficial for you early on in life? Well, <clears throat> I was a fat kid growing up and I was a fat kid because obviously I, I ate the wrong things and I, I struggled with my weight until about 13. And I, I have, sometimes I get really, really in great shape and sometimes I fall off the horse and I, I'm not in great shape. So I would tell myself back then that I was the fat kid and well, that was just the, that was the story that I always went back to that it, it, it was rough at times, but I knew that I had the opportunity to, to change myself, but I just didn't necessarily know how. And yeah, so I know that in the times that I have been in the, the best shape, I've told myself that I was in amazing shape and I believed that I was worthy of being in amazing shape. And there's been times in my life where I tried to get in amazing shape, but I was still in that negative mindset and I was doing everything almost to a T. I was, it was my, my regiment was on point, but my body reflected a, a negative mindset and, and it looked like I wasn't actually training like I was training. So really the, the mind and the body are one. The mind is the body, the body is the mind. And yeah, so just the the whole, I'm not in great shape telling myself that, that was probably the the, the most treacherous story that I would tell myself uh, on a recurring basis. So yeah. And you became obsessed with fitness as a teenager early on uh, because, you know, you had this negative mindset. What kept you going? You know, what was it that kept you going? Well, I always wanted abs and then I wanted to be, I just wanted to be strong and I wanted to be, 
I wanted to be popular and I had all these like superficial goals. So yeah, I wanted, wanted to be popular, wanted to be beautiful, wanted to be the bad boy. And really I just wanted to be able to do things other people couldn't. So go out on the baseball field and, and, and dominate and then get all the women that I could. And so very, very shallow goals there, but, but yeah, that, that was just something that I always wanted. And then luckily, I mean, I, I've trained hundreds of people since then from all walks of life. So my goals are a little bit different. I don't necessarily want all the women in the world and I do want to look great and continue to do things that other people can't, but really and truly I, I've stayed obsessed because I want to help other people get out of pain because everybody's dealing with aches and pains in their bodies. And then I know that to really be your best self, you're going to be, you're going to need to be in a state of physical prime, not saying that you need to step on a bodybuilding stage or be able to run a, a four and a half minute mile. But if you really want to be clicking on all cylinders, the confidence and the pain-free body or the confidence in your pain-free body, that's going to be something that you're going to have to attack. You had about with paralysis with your lower extremities for about three months at one point in your life as well, right? Yes, sir. About a couple years ago, 2021, back in January, it was a tough time. I was just left a, a mentor in real estate after about a year, and that was a great experience. Hall of Fame realtor. And I learned directly from them and we decided to, to part ways there. So that was one type of stress. That was professional stress. And then my father had passed away. We didn't really have a great relationship. So I had that whole masculine trauma there where, you know, all of a sudden, like you don't have a dad anymore and you don't really, and I never, I, I sought wisdom from him a few times, but it's, it's just a whole life is a lot different when you don't have a dad anymore because you don't necessarily have to worry about what they what they're thinking, even if you don't have much contact with them. You, you, people still don't want to let their dad down deep inside. And then financial stress had love life stress. So what I'm getting to here is all these different types of stressors manifested over into old athletic injuries and my right leg pretty much. I mean, I could move it. But the nerve pain that I was experiencing was probably about a nine out of 10, nine and a half out of 10. It completely changed the way I walked. I, I, I still walk with a slight limp, but I am rehabbing it. And yeah, I laid in the floor of my apartment for about three months, crying and fasting and praying and doing everything I could to try to get rid of some of this nerve pain. And finally it ceased. And yeah, it, it really changed. It changed my thought process again. And most people change about every seven years or so. I have a tendency to, to grow about every year, every 18 months into a, a different version of myself. And this was one of the, well, I, I, I will say right now, it's one of the more intense periods of evolution for myself, but they've all been pretty intense so <laughs> was there anyone who supported you during that time those those three months that were you were in excruciating pain it sounds like yeah 
Well, I've always got my mom and grandma and the folks back at the farm. They're, they're always very supportive of me. At the same time, it's tough for people to get a grasp on traumas manifesting over into physical pains. And if there was no impact injury, all of a sudden, oh, Josh is almost uh, a paraplegic. (laughs) Josh was a strapping man yesterday, but all of a sudden he's stressed out. And now he says he can't walk. Like, what's the deal? He's crying in the floor for three months. Like, what's the deal? Like, so that they were there and they wanted to help me. But but how? Like, I make way more than them. They can't do my job. I'm twice their size. I live a hundred and something miles away, but yeah, I I would call. They would tell me they love me and they would pray for me and stuff like that. But yeah, that was about the most support that I had. It was really just an internal battle of, of figuring out the formula to get over that, to get over that, that situation in time. And I did it. It took a few months, but, and I'm, I'm still figuring it out because my right leg, the calf muscle, especially Mm -hmm. I had, 17 inch calves currently they they did atrophy about two and a half inches over those three months so it, it looked like my leg was dying and it's it's still significantly smaller than the other leg but i'm i'm working on it and growing practicing balance and soft tissue mobilization and things like that but but yeah it's 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 wild how things can be taken away from you so fast and it takes so long to build it back especially in the physical space yeah and it seems like you as a kid, you had to overcome some psychological warfare. Um, so you are accustomed to it in some way, although it doesn't make sense uh, to you physically because nothing really happened physically at that moment. But there were things that added up stressors that you can point back to. Yeah, I would say, you know, moving around a lot. One, as a kid, you don't understand that people aren't being mean just to be mean and even as adults you become absorbed in the situation when people are just being a lot less nice than they should be but yeah i i I was dealt out or i people 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 definitely threw a lot of hate towards my way but at the same time jealousy sucks i mean people Cause I, even though I was the fat kid, the new kid, I had on the best Tommy Hilfiger and polo clothes. Cause stepdad was rising in the ranks of a, of a, a national chain of uh, retail stores. And we had, we had the pulse on what was going on sale and what looked good. And I would get five outfits for the, for the cost of one because we would catch things to go on sale and whatnot. But, but yeah, whenever you're doing things that other people can't or you have things that other people don't, then people will, one, they'll either glorify you and just have that starry-eyed look of like, oh, he's a demigod or whatever. Or they'll they'll hate you because they're like, oh, I'll, I wanted those those Jordan shoes or I wanted the, the latest Tommy Hilfiger gear. So I didn't understand that as a kid. But over time, I realized, well, this is a thing. You can't necessarily worry about when people are mean to you. You can't take it personally, even though I still take things personally. Absolutely. <laughs> but, but looking back past, you know, when it's not occurring in the moment, 
And if you can keep your head in the moment and be like, all right, this person's just there. Something else has happened in their life or most recently that they're the, that's why they're doing this to you. But yeah, just to understand that people are, are projecting their pains, fears, and traumas onto you. And it's not necess- necessarily a direct reflection upon you. So, yeah. How did you escape becoming bitter at the different things that happened to, you know, especially early on, you had to move around a lot, although you can always go back to home base. And but I know there had to be times you probably felt somewhat alone when kids would uh, do what they did. Oh, yeah, I've, I've been alone my entire life. And that's just because I've I've moved around so much. You just kind of have to entertain yourself and be your own best friend. And because I would take lessons from those situations that maybe the cards were stacked against me or didn't go my way, I took a lesson. I took a learning point from it, and I, I put it in my database of, of wisdom. And I would always reflect on the lessons that I've learned. And I knew that the law of cause and effect always came into play. And you can say anything you want. just depends on how you say it. You can do anything you want. just just depends on how you present it for the most part. So, yeah, I've just always been someone to, to test boundaries and test people and i knew that the language that we use because transitional words tonality rhythm pacing timing of of the presentation of the thought that it all it all comes into play there's so many sub levels of of life of these inner these these unseen energies and variables so yeah, just uh, that uh, that was just that was a way for me not to become to become bitter is to just take lessons and treat it as an experiment. That's a good life lesson. What? How can people get in contact with you? The best way to get in contact with you if they wanted to work with you. My website, thejoshparish.com. That's my link tree. I'm mostly active on Instagram and my Instagram link is on that link tree and all of my handles are the Josh Parish T H E J O S H P A R I S H but if you just visit thejoshparish.com it'll take you straight to the link tree all my contact information all my social media handles are on there What is your one to grow on what valuable piece of information would you like to leave our audience with start to analyze the stories that you tell yourself because again, you are a composition of the stories that you tell yourself. And if you are constantly reliving old traumatic stories, there is no way that you're going to move forward. And that's what I'd like to leave your listeners today.
Thank you for listening to The New Mind Creator Podcast with your host, Maurice, The New Mind Creator. This podcast has been sponsored by Abundant Sports and True Serum. Head over to www.mauriceflornary.com to receive more motivation and insight to help create your new mind.